This is Tech News for MBAs. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. It is Friday, February 26th, 2021. We've got a lot to talk about today. I have an amazing guest expert coming on. Let's get right into it. NFTs, which stands for non-fungible tokens, is having a moment right now. That's the best headline I can muster. We've talked a bit about different types of cryptocurrencies, the blockchain, Bitcoin. We had our expert Sean Cheng on a couple of weeks ago to help us understand some of this. NFTs are a type of blockchain technology. The best way to think of it is that it enables you to have a unique digital good, something that can be owned and sold and transferred and that there is only one of in the world, even though it's digital. And while there isn't one particular story this week that I want to talk about, it's more that the tech world is just buzzing about NFTs. One of the things I want to try to accomplish on this podcast is to let you in on that buzz before these things go mainstream. That being said, some of this is already mainstream. The NBA launched an online store to sell digital memorabilia. You know, in my day, these might have been trading cards, but now they're digital goods that you can buy. And their site says they've already sold over $200 million worth. Christie's held an auction for the digital artist Beeple, who sold $3.5 million of his digital work. Digital goods are here and they're here to stay. A voice that I've been following on Twitter about all this stuff is Shay Taylor. He's the founder of No Code Pros and generally seems to have a knack for being right in the zeitgeist of what's happening in the world of tech, especially when it has to do with the intersection of media and technology. Let's call him up and see if he can explain some of this to us. So what is an NFT? An NFT stands for non-fungible token. All right. And fungible essentially means you can exchange it. So what does that mean? It's non-fungible. Well, think about a dollar bill. You can exchange dollar bills. Each dollar bill is valued as the same as the next one most of the time. Non-fungible tokens are blockchain tokens that, unlike one Bitcoin, which is equal to any other Bitcoin, are completely separate and non-exchangeable. They're unique. And that's what an NFT is. It's a unique token. You can't exchange it. You can't switch it for something else without anyone noticing. Now, the fact that you can't switch it for anything is what makes it super interesting and super important. If you think about any file you have on your computer, if you have another copy of that file or someone else has another copy of that file, it's very difficult to know who owned the first file or you know where the original file came from. But with NFTs, you know. You know which file is which, and you know which file came first. Because it's on the blockchain, there's a historical record of when it was created, who created it, and every single person that has owned it. And that's what makes them special, and that's why the art world has taken notice of them. Let's say the thing you're buying is a digital image. Couldn't you just take a screenshot? Yes, you can take a screenshot. One way to think about it is the Mona Lisa, right? So there's only one of those, but we've all seen it, even if we haven't seen the original. 
We've seen pictures of it. We've seen it in movies. We've seen it on people's computers. We've seen screenshots of it. We've seen even, you know, artwork derived from it. But it doesn't take away the value of the original, does it? And that's what's essentially special about it is that the original is maybe even more valuable because of how many copies there are, authorized or unauthorized. There are people with really authentic looking fake Mona Lisa's hanging in their houses right now. It doesn't make it the Mona Lisa. NFTs have been around for a little while now. What is it that is happening right now that makes it seem like suddenly everyone all at once really cares about this? I can't tell you, not 100% sure why this one took off, but I, I, I think that right now it's here. And, and the question, obviously, is that is he here to stay? My logic is, you know, even if there's a downturn in the NFT market, which is quite possible, I think the technology has very long-term implications and we're probably going to be seeing this in our lives for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I totally agree because if you imagine that over time, so many things from the physical world are going to move to the digital world, the one thing that we're sort of missing is the ability for something to be truly unique. Like, you know, if I have an object here in New York, you can't have that same object in Canada where you are right now at the same time. It can only be in one place at a time. Unlike a normal digital file, like, I don't know, a PDF or an MP3 or a JPEG, where we could both have the same file in both of our locations at the same time, and you really wouldn't be able to tell them apart. And so to me, NFTs like allows for that same sort of uniqueness. Yes, 100%. Absolutely. It could be anything. And I think just bringing that element of scarcity back into the digital world is endlessly valuable. Well, I just learned a lot. I hope you did too. And if you want to learn more, check out the links in the show notes and on to our next headline. Twitter has announced an upcoming paid subscription feature called Super Follows. This is hot off the press. It was just mentioned yesterday for the first time, but Twitter is going to be rolling out a new feature called Super Follows. And basically, instead of normally following someone on Twitter, which of course is free, a super follow will be a paid-only feature. From what we know so far, that will be structured as a monthly subscription. So imagine that you want to follow someone and then you can super follow them for $4.99 a month. And certain types of content will only be available to super followers. So imagine that every time you tweet, you'll be deciding, is this open to the public for free or is this tweet only visible to my super followers? In addition to paid tweets, this also dovetails nicely with Twitter's acquisition of paid newsletter service Review that we talked about a few weeks ago, where your email newsletter could be made only available to super followers, and perhaps there are other sorts of content or other sorts of opportunities that you could provide only to your super followers. This move comes as Twitter is under a lot of pressure from shareholders to find new and growing revenue streams and it's tapping into something that is naturally happening anyway, which is that people are building up followings on Twitter and then finding ways to monetize that audience somewhere else using services like Substack, Patreon, OnlyFans, 
And so here, Twitter is saying, no, just stay right where you are. Your audience is already here. Let's just take that smaller subset of your audience that's willing to pay, and they can pay right here in Twitter. I'm super bullish on Twitter, and this sounds like a really exciting development and a nice clue into where Twitter is going strategically. Up next, random startup you've never heard of. Following up on a couple of last week's headlines, which already have some new updates and more after this 15-second break from our sponsor, Bounce House. Bounce House helps you sell one-on-one sessions and group classes online, built for one-person businesses like personal trainers, yoga instructors, and nutritionists. Bounce House is giving away a 1,000 free licenses to those affected by the pandemic. Go to bounce.house to learn more. That's bounce.house. Bounce House, sell your service online. Welcome back. It is time for another edition of Random Startup You've Never Heard Of. I put out the call on social media to submit ideas for this segment, and here's one of the first ones I got. This company is awesome. Basically, it's a financial planning tool specifically aimed at working moms who are balancing their professional goals with their family goals. I can certainly relate to this as a father of two in a household with two full-time working parents. I think I've mentioned before, but my amazing wife, Jess, works at Reddit. I'll read their official description here. Mirza is a female-founded startup that helps future and working moms make their professional goals achievable by providing them with accessible financial planning tools and using data to power policy change to close the wage gap in the process. This is a great example of custom tailoring tools to specific segments of the market and really trying to address problems from the perspective of the user. In other words, there are lots of financial planning tools that you could use, but if you are this customer and you learn about this tool, why would you use one of the generic options when this is custom tailored just for you? Check it out for yourself at heymirza.com. That's heymirza.com. And that was our random startup you've never heard of. By the way, if you have a startup or know of a great startup and want to be featured on this show, write to technews at paulcanetti.com or hit me up on Twitter or LinkedIn. We've got two quick headlines, which are actually both follow-ups from stories that we covered on last week's episode. New photo sharing app Dispo has raised an additional $20 million in venture funding at a valuation of about $200 million. And that was all before it was even available on the App Store. If you recall, last week we had our random startup you've never heard of, which was Dispo. And so you might have never heard of it last week, but this week, a lot has happened. They raised this new money. They are now public on the App Store. You can go and download it. And I won't even get into it because we talked about it last week, but I just thought that was really funny that they had very quickly graduated from a random startup you'd never heard of into one you are quite likely to hear of in the near future. Facebook announced it plans to invest a billion dollars over the next three years to, quote, support the news industry. So we just talked last week about what badasses they are at Facebook that the Australian government threatened with this new law that they had to pay. And Facebook said, you know what, then why don't we just take away all news from Facebook? 
Within a week later, they have softened that stance, to say the least, and backtracked might be a more accurate representation. Looks like now they are following in the footsteps of Google, where they are going to pay news companies, essentially subsidizing the news business with advertising revenue earned by Facebook. Not much more to say here other than things change fast in the world of tech. We had back-to-back headlines last week and this week. That was basically a 180-degree turn. Spotify announced a new advertiser network called Spotify Audience Network that will combine all of their various audio properties into a single place where an advertiser can buy across music, podcasts, and more. Spotify has been making a lot of acquisitions recently. Specifically, they've been trying to bulk up on their exclusive podcast content. And you can see the puzzle pieces coming into place as they really try to create the ultimate place for advertisers to spend their money in the world of audio. A lot of advertising money still goes to traditional radio stations, and Spotify clearly sees themselves as the best heir to that throne of audio-based advertising. They've got all the music. They've got all the podcasts. It just makes sense. I'm curious to see if eventually Spotify tries to expand this network beyond just content inside the Spotify app and if they might actually provide an audio-only ad network to third parties. An analogy would be Google Display Network, where Google is placing display ads or image ads, you know, banner ads onto lots of different websites. So if you go to a random website and you see a banner ad there, it's very likely that Google is actually providing that ad and doing some sort of revenue share between the website and Google. So keep your eye on Spotify, but this is certainly a big announcement in the world of advertising technology. Okay, that's a wrap for this week. You know, looking at these headlines week over week, it's interesting to think about the different trends that we can sort of draw out. Clearly, things happening around crypto and blockchain technologies. We see sort of the old guard versus the new guard at play with the battle between social media platforms and traditional news companies. Here we have traditional radio battling with digital radio. And new definitions of media companies altogether is a single Twitter user now a media company if they are selling subscriptions to their exclusive content? I would say yes. As always, this week and every week, if you can, please do one or more of the following. Subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and tell a friend. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. I'll see you next week for more tech news for MBAs.